Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. This is the Eagle Hour with Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly J. Sander, and Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg today. Not in Laurel, in Hattiesburg. How are you, Kelly? Now, am I going to have to? Everybody's been asking me this on the street. Am I? Am I officially adopting the J in my yes, broadcasting name now? You definitely are. Because only are. when I got in trouble would my mother, you know, yes. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly John. J. Sander. What's your middle name, Michael? So it's, and, and it's Michael M- J. MJ. Merkins. MJ M- from MJ, Chicago. MJ from Chicago. That sounds like him, doesn't I, it? I think yeah. that might catch on you somewhere in Chicago. Know, you don't know that Jesse Select guy, do you? <laughs> He's not from. Oh, okay, I was just checking. But the other MJ, there was a famous MJ in Chicago that played basketball not so many years ago. Well, not as famous as Michael. Well, for sure. But he. he, he, he yeah, yeah, there's another Michael. Yeah, he was MJ. pretty good. Chris Edmund is with us today. He's a former golfer at Southern Miss. Also, uh, Penny Hampton's going to be joining. It's going to be fun to talk to him. He's a, a kid that just finished his basketball career at Southern Miss. But before we get started, I want to remind you that the opening segment every day is sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, a proud supporter of USM Athletics. Dickey's Fall Off the Bone Meats are smoked every day in their restaurants across Mississippi, and they'll cater any event, large or small, and we appreciate their support. And i got to tell you, dude, I was at an event this weekend catered by Dickies. Dude. Fine. It was fine. What's well, the hat? You know, the hat you're wearing. Okay, and all the, gotcha. Yeah. You know, a lot of Italian old men up in the Delta wear hats. Like and I had that. somebody tell me at lunch, you know, with any other outfit, that hat would go. But not, not with this. Well, no, that's not quite a fashion. But then again, yeah, I'm a not fashion statement. Not exactly making. a Hollywood fashion place. You're, you're in making here. today, yeah. uh, Kelly. Uh, so anyway, Penny, uh, a little later in the program. But right now, Chris uh, Inman is in the studio with us here at the First Bank Studio. A golfer from Southern Miss from '92 to '96. Welcome. Thank you. Actually, yeah, Chris, you're a native of Wentzville, Missouri, which is actually where Storm Cooper, yeah, that's right, current baseball player, is from. Yes, and I uh, actually got to meet him for the first time just the other day. Yeah. So what's the – how in the world – because Wentzville can't be – no disrespect, but can't be the biggest place in the world. How, did, how does – what's the connection to Wentzville and Hattiesburg? Well, for me, uh, there was a golfer that was here in, at Southern who was from Missouri, a uh, local legend, Todd Metz. And uh, when I was coming – he's a year older than me, uh, but uh, we, we – uh, when I was coming out of high school, he introduced me to Sam Hall, my coach, and I came down here to take a look, and uh, I think I asked them one question. I said, does it snow? And they said no, and I said I wanted to go south. So <laughs> I'm in, uh, huh? Uh, it sounds great. <laughs> well, and, and then when I went home and I was thinking about it, this was Clarence Weatherspoon's last year, and I was a huge basketball fan growing up, played basketball as well, and I turned on um, – the uh, ESPN, uh, Big Monday, I think, and they were uh, playing uh, on the ESPN, and the gym was packed, and I watched Clarence Witherspoon just go up in this huge dunk, and the place exploded, and that was like, oh, well, that's that's where I want to be. So I was like, 
deal. I'm in. So when so when you came to Southern Miss, you're telling us in the, in the pre-show uh, discussion that you Southern Miss uh, introduced you to a lot of things, not least of which was the introduction to fire ants, which you did not have in Missouri. Tell us how you were introduced to our good friends. Yeah, I had never seen them before, and we came down here, and I think it was our my very first qualifying round. Uh, Timberton had just opened up then, maybe just for a couple years, and we played uh, out there, and, and we got to the 18th hole, and, and my, my ball was on the fringe, and I, like, kneeled down just off the green. <laughs> and I'm looking at the putt, and all of a sudden I just feel Ugh. this, as everybody knows, just you know, burning on my leg and I'm like, look down and it's just covered with these ants. And, and I was playing with some guys and I'm like, what is this? What's going on? And they're like, those are fire ants. You're not supposed to touch them. And I'm like, well, thanks. And <laughs> a little late. And, uh, that was it. Um, never seen them before. And, uh, you watched for them though, after that, didn't you? I, I learned very quickly to, to look out for them. Probably thought it was like a remake of a Hitchcock movie or something. Right. All the ants tearing your leg right. up, huh? And, and I had the bumps and everything all over for several, several right. days. Uh, Chris, you playing golf here. We had a golfer tell us this not too long ago. Tell me if you concur with this. He said golf's an individual sport, but college golf is much more of a team sport. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, you certainly, uh, you know, you're with those guys a lot between qualifying and going to tournaments and school. You know, it kind of becomes your fraternity uh, of sorts. And, um, so you really want to be comfortable with each other. Uh, I think you want to be encouraging of each other and be each other's uh, friends and help each other out. And that makes it much more of a team sport because, all, you know, all the stress of going to college to begin with of school and not enough sleep. Uh, and then you throw in a sport. Uh, it, 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 the team, I think, can make the difference. Chris Inman was a golfer at Southern Miss from 1992 to 1996. Chris played for the immortal Sam Hall. And, Chris, what was it like playing for a coach that you knew full well could beat you on any course, any day? Sam was pretty good. <laughs> Sam was very good then, and he was at his peak and uh, certainly played a lot of golf, would play with us a lot. And, yeah, he would remind you of that a lot of times. <laughs> and, you know, he was, I, I would describe Sam as somewhat self taught. His swing was not conventional or, or perfect by any means, but he knew exactly where it was going and he could get it in the hole. And uh, I think when you had trouble doing that, it just didn't, he didn't understand that that was. Why? What's wrong with you? But, but different in high school because, in fairness, lots of times high school golf coaches are, are merely the science teacher that just has to that somebody has to do it right so at the high school level you had to be self-taught because you really didn't get a lot of coaching but here you had a guy that really knew the x's and o's so to speak of how to get around the course yeah absolutely and he would certainly lend his uh, opinion to you um you're right about high school i mean it is typically a an assigned position or a volunteer position probably very little money and i had a a really nice high school coach, but he would be the first to tell you he didn't know anything about golf. But I had a golf coach, you know, a, a swing instructor uh, back home. And I think a lot of kids now that come to college to play golf probably have their own swing instructors, workout. I mean, it's, you know, every like every other sport, it's evolved. Yeah, the, the ad advent of social media now, kids are promoting themselves lots of times, you know, out there to, to you know, play at the next level. Absolutely. So what, what would have summarized your game, Chris? What were you good at? at the college? What aspect of the game of golf were you good at? What was just your nemesis? 
Uh, I summarized my game. I probably peaked before I came to college. Maybe I came here. And, <laughs> Maybe and, it was the fire ants. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been. Traumatized. They got in my system. I never got over them. Uh, you know, I, was, I, I would describe myself as being uh, at probably pretty good at everything. Um, I had a little bit of an adjustment switching to Bermuda grass. Growing up in Missouri, we had uh, rye grass, or not rye, but bluegrass and zoysia. And for anyone who knows golf, playing zoysia fairways is just like a hitting off a mat. I mean, it's just perfect. Of course, you come down here, you have to be much more accurate in your ball striking. And uh, so uh, around the greens, especially, that's very tough. Uh, you know, if, if you watch the PGA Tour and you see them play in the south or even in Florida, those guys miss the greens, they'll putt a lot more or use their hybrids around the, there or keep it low to the ground. You don't see that up north because the ball sits up a little better. So I, I would say my, I, I was average at everything. You know, generally speaking, we find that the best college baseball teams are in the south. Did that apply to golf? You know, interesting, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State mm-hmm. won the national championship last year, and I don't think their winners are very mm-hmm. nice at all. You mm-hmm. would kind of assume that they would get no, more they time to play. they pretty hard winners yeah, yeah. in Oklahoma, yeah. And uh, – you know, that's not necessarily the case. I know uh, mm-hmm. University of Illinois has got a predominant great program, um, but I, I'd say for the most part it seems to be that way. I know mm-hmm. Alabama, obviously, with our local talent that played there is outstanding. I've always wondered what a pep rally would be for the golf team, you know, because announcing on TV, it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. over the place. That's what it would be. Show guys, show yeah. guys, we want you guys to really perform well today. Beat Louisiana. I probably, I probably shouldn't talk about what we did to prepare for golf tournaments, Kelly. You well, probably wouldn't want to know. You're, you're, way, you're, you're not in under any trouble anymore. Yeah, you've been yeah. out of the system, you know, long enough. But do you, do you still get to play now that you, you know, got a family and everything? I do. Um, I, not, not as frequently as, as I, as I should. I, I would like to get out more. Um, but you know, maybe once or twice a month. And uh, this depends. If there's a tournament or something, I'll try to get into it. So once you're an accomplished golfer like yourself, can you keep your game playing that few times a month? Because it seemed to me that back in the day when, when I tried to play golf, it was something you had to do every day almost to get better. I think everybody's different. Uh, some people, like Todd Metz I mentioned earlier, he's actually a two-time mid-amateur, state mid-amateur champion. He won last year at Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Todd's got a lot of just natural ability. Anyone who knows him, he doesn't miss many shots. Yeah. I'm more of a guy that has to practice a lot to stay well, on top. You talked about the weather, too, Bob. One of the one of the most accomplished Southern Miss golfers was Glenn Natchik, who's Canadian. Uh, there you go. So, I mean, you know, they can even play golf in Canada pretty well. Thank yep. you, Chris. We appreciate you being on the show. Well, Good thank conversation. You. Watch those fire ants. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Edmond, everybody. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Chris Inman for stepping into the First Bank studio and sharing some golf stories with us. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. Our friends on Hardy Street across from the Southern Miss campus. Great selection of Southern Miss apparel, household items, 
if you're a student, too, obviously you can buy and rent your textbooks there. You can uh, shop them uh, six days a week on Hardy Street, or if you're in other parts of the state, you can check them out at campusbookmark.net. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, when you're working with a professional like Bob Getty, I mean, he has written on his sheet next to me, CBM. That's right. Now, I have no idea what CBM said. Well, I know now that it stands for Campus Bookmark, but all of that. That's right. That, that diatribe right. right off the top of your head. And a white shirt. Boy, are you highly skilled. And a white shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Hey, we're really excited about having our next guest on the show. Uh, this young man was uh, one of the seniors that rebuilt, don't you say fair to say, Kelly, rebuilt the Southern Miss basketball program uh, and had a big role in the success that they enjoyed this year and the steady, steady improvement that we've seen in the program. Penny Hampton joins us. And, Penny, welcome to the Eagle Hour. Hey, how you doing? Well, we're good. Now, Penny, I want to ask you a question right out of the gate. Before you guys went to play in the Conference USA Tournament, we had Doc Sadler on the show, and we asked Doc who had been the most important player on his team this year. Do you have any idea who it, who it was he told us on the show was the most important player? Um, no, I I don't, I don't really have a clue who he probably say. <laughs> he said it was you, Penny. He said you oh, were the most ahead. important player he had on the team this year. He said you were the kind of kid that had had come here, given your all, your entire career, that you showed up for every single practice and gave 150%, pushed everybody on the team to be better. And he said he it just instantly came out of his mouth that you were the most important player he had this year. Uh, it, be, I just like to uh, push everybody to make each other work because I know we're capable of doing uh, a lot of great things and then it showed in some of the game. Penny, I want to talk. I want to go back to the beginning of the season, to, to where you guys started, to where you finished up. At the beginning of the year, a lot of Southern Miss Eagle fans were jumping off the panic ship. Oh, we got beat by William Carey. How can that possibly happen? This team, we're not going to win any games. And then, boy, were they wrong. So let's talk about the the mental uh, the mental shape of the team after a game like William Carey and how you guys addressed it and then rose to a 20-win season? Uh, I think it was just a big wake-up call for us. Uh, it showed us that anybody could beat us on any given night, so we knew that no matter who was playing, we had to get the same effort every night, no matter whether it a William Carey or whether it like a Kansas State, Wichita State, anybody else, a team like that we play. So it just kind of pushed us to be more focused and just come back hard because after that game we had a great practice and they practice and it just carried over for the rest of the season and i know one of statistically one of the best games you had was against utsa when when did you guys figure out that uh hey we're on to something here uh we're, we're playing really well and and not just beating people but blowing out marshall by 50 points uh, among other great wins when did when did you guys think hey we can we can be pretty good here um i think like Towards after the after the Christmas break, like and then I said that March again because when we beat March, you know March was pretty good last year. Then uh, then eventually winning the conference uh, USA championship and everything. So I guess after we beat them, then like we got better on the defense and learned to pack that lane. It just carried over and it just gave us confidence that we could beat anybody. It looks like the team took a huge momentum swing forward, particularly with the fan base. Um, and then at the, at the end of the year, did you guys feel like you had to win the Conference USA uh, tournament to get uh, a NCAA or NIT bid? Uh, yeah, we felt that we had to do it because we knew like that William Carroll was a big loss that had hit us. And then, um, you know, we played a couple of games close. So we felt like winning the Conference USA tournament, 
was uh don't just give us a, a chance to make the NCAA tournament or the, either the NIT and it just would have been better with have won it all so yeah, you know, Penny, I, I thought the Marshall game in the in the opening round of the tournament one of the most exciting basketball games I've seen in a long time. They were shooting those big rainbows and I think hit seventeen three point shots, and it seemed like every time y'all pull away from them, they'd bomb you with a three pointer. But you, you, you know, you you kept going, you kept going, you kept going, and and you pull the win out. Um, is it possible that that maybe after such an effort that the team was a little fatigued when uh, when you had to turn right around and play Western Kentucky? Um, I don't think we were just fatigued. I think that it was just we uh, we didn't play with a lot of energy. I guess that uh, that we needed to to get the win because we came out, we packed the lane, and there was a lot of chances where they just went away then. Mm-hmm. They just got out of hand at certain points. And like a couple of minimum plays, I mean, we was in the game the whole game, but right. a couple of minimum mistakes here and there that kind of cost us. Right. And, and really, going to the first half of the Western Kentucky game, you're right there right. with with the Hilltoppers. What is it was about Western Kentucky? They, they had our number this year. What what made them so problematic? Um, I think I think they were just kind of big. You know, they had a good player in charge, Bassett Iron, and they kind of pushed the place. They had a lot of athletic wings, and then a couple guards who hit some key shots here and there when they needed. But when we played, and we had we packed the lane pretty good, so they wasn't just able to just do what they usually do to other teams. But I think, like like I said again, like a couple minimum mistakes here and there from us, which cost us the game, and both of our losses against them. Right, I think that's right. Talk to us about Doc Sadler. Tell her, tell us what you what you learned playing for Doc Sadler. Uh, these last few years, and your impressions of Coach Sadler. Uh, I think I think Coach Doc Sadler was a, a great coach, actually, because I mean he just taught us to come in, work hard every day, no matter what the results. Always, you long as you do what you have to do, everything will play out. Then he just he just taught us how to pay attention to detail, how to. Uh, he did a great job at scouting teams too, and he relayed the mission. Good, so we never had to, we never went to a game blind. I feel like because every time he told us was going to happen, either did happen or it happened exactly how we, he said it, and then right. it just rolled over to everybody. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Well, t- for for Kelly jumps on you again here. Now I want you to be honest with us, Penny, and I want you to tell us how the T-shirt thing came about. And uh, uh, did you guys want him to keep wearing those T-shirts as long as y'all were winning? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it really didn't matter because, I mean, as long as Coach comes, then, you know, he's in a good mood, so everybody will have to quit. The teacher thing, I don't think, I don't think that was a big problem, but, uh, right, right. Coach Doc Sadler, he's a really uh, laid back guy, so if he comes from, you know, it works out for him. Happy coach, happy life, right? And <laughs> yeah, Penny, you played uh, high school basketball at Jim Hill, and, of course, the city of Jackson has cranked out so many great basketball teams. Lanier had terrific teams for years. Jim Hill always has terrific teams. So does Murrah. But, you know, in, in the other Jacksons, in uh, Jackson schools, though, in football and baseball, don't necessarily compete at the level like they do every year in basketball. What is it about Jackson that continues to crank out awesome basketball uh, talent? Uh, I think that because a lot of people uh, just looked at some of the greats who came through Jackson. You know, you got some of the big nine guys like Montez, Mo Williams, um, guys like that who just made it to the league and everybody just wanted to play sports and follow up behind those guys. So I think that was a big, big motivation factor for the city of Jackson and why basketball is so big down there. 
Yeah, I, I, I'd also heard some other coaches in Jackson say that the key to why Jackson also produces such great players is that just about on every street corner, there's an open gym. I mean, kids can go where well, you don't have that in other parts of the state. Mm-hmm. If you just want to go play, there is a pickup game somewhere in Jackson every single day of the week, maybe, you know, twice. Yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time, like, it'll be like at every high school, somebody like old players will come and play at their gyms, open it up on weekends for the weekday. Then, you know, everybody is practicing now during the season. We're probably high school season over with right now, so. A lot of kids being there, good with their friends. They have part like Temple Park, Westside gyms, air base gyms like that with people that's constantly in there every day. Penny, it's all over now, right? You're, you've you've uh, gone to college. You've uh, played basketball throughout your entire college career. Has it hit you yet? And if so, what's going on in your mind right now? Uh, I don't. It hasn't just really hit me yet. But then I thought about it. I found myself thinking about it uh, this past weekend, you know, after I come out for our loss back. Uh, that first day, it was just like, after the Conference USA tournament, they lost. I thought about it a lot then, but then we had the opportunity to play again. I was kind of like, I'm supposed to play again and get back with the guys. But it hasn't really set in yet. I think like once I walk across the stage for graduation and everything, I'll just finally be like, it's over with my college days. You know, you... you- you had just said that, that you thought that once you guys lost in the Conference USA tournament that, that the season was over, that you weren't going to get a tournament bid. So tell us how that all unveiled and how you guys were told and what the reaction was from the guys. Uh, when we found out we had an opportunity to play again, I feel like a lot of guys just wanted to come out and play again one last time. And then no matter what the results were, they would just come out and play hard and then try to get a championship on that field. Since we didn't make it to the uh, NCAA tournament, didn't get an NIT bid, so I think, I think, I think it was a good step for us to uh, do. Cause Coach Doc Sally told us about it, then everybody was pretty much excited. Then we were just ready to get up and go. Yeah, but you didn't have a whole lot of turnaround time from the time that you guys actually found out, and then uh, then headed over to Virginia with needed uh, buses and airplanes and mules and everything to get to, <laughs> to get to the location. You know? <laughs> Well, look, Penny, we appreciate you being on the show, and thank you so much, man, for the great contribution you made to Southern Miss basketball. You're part of the group that revitalized the program, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck, young man. Okay, thank you, guys. All right, Penny Hampton, everybody, Southern Miss basketball star. We'll be right back. To the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back, everybody, and our thanks to Penny Hampton for joining us along with Chris Enman. This segment of the show sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Our buddies down there serve a great plate lunch uh, five days a week and great food as the three of us enjoyed just a few weeks ago. You know, we're willing to go back. We're willing to go back and do the show again at lunch, guys. And, and we make the sacrifice, too, of making life easy on the dishwasher. Correct. That's yeah, the toughest job in the rest of us. So we do what Correct. we can to make sure that those plates are squeaky. No pre-rinse. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, not necessary. No, no. You're, you're 
your plate was as clean as it is when I ate supper and let the dog lick the plate off. I know? try. I try. <laughs> <laughs> great food at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Really good food. And great guys down there. And look, if you're a Southern Miss fan, you'll enjoy just walking through and uh, looking at all the memorabilia. And especially, Kelly, that picture of the uh, NIT championship team. Priceless, right? Yeah, and it's just – and what's especially cool about it is it's just now starting to fade – <laughs> a yeah. little bit, kind of yeah. like our yeah. memories, but correct. Uh, correct. Yeah, it's great, and and that's the place to pregame too. Is Fourth Street? Everybody will say we're pregaming at Fourth Street. You know, meet right. us there before the game. Let me uh, ask you a, a moment about Penny Hampton because you've done a lot of coaching in your life, and I was really struck the day that Doc Sadler instantly named that kid as his most important player, and, and what he went on to tell us too is it's easy to be a team guy when you're playing every night. It's not easy to be a team guy when you're not playing every night, and that exemplified this young man. That's unusual to begin with in today's era, is it not? Especially unusual, because with the advent of social media now, kids are self self uh, aggrandizing and they're they're producing their own propaganda out there, and it's it's not focusing on the team. It's about it's about me. It's not, and I and I really pick on baseball because that's the sport I coach. But now, you know, lots of times you hear coaches say that when a pitcher comes off the field, he might have gotten lit up for four or five runs, but he'll say, "Yeah, but I threw it 92 miles an hour." You know, I threw it 92. Well, this isn't about you, dude. You well, got lit up. You well, know, everything you threw across the plate got hit, and we got they put four runs up on us. Yeah, but I threw it 92. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, and here's a kid like Penny who it wasn't about him. He saw the big picture and those and they are becoming more rare. Mm-hmm. For sure. And you notice during the interview too guys when he said when I walk across the stage and get my diploma, I'll know it's really a So the kid not only comes here contributes mightily to the basketball program even though he's not a starter. In 4 years I don't think he was a starter. Going to leave with his degree. And his coach saying he was the most important player on the best team the coaches had. I think that's quite a compliment to that kid. And I would I would remember that forever that the, that I wasn't you know the guy that set all the records, but that's what my coach had to say at the end of the year. I'd say I did my job right. You know. All right. So I had a great visit today, guys, uh, with Sparkman Walker, who is uh, one of the owners of Stokes Distributing Company, and uh, they've been a sponsor of this show since the day we went on the air. We're very grateful to them. Uh, and I think it's time that we name an official beer of the Eagle Hour. So I picked two of the beers that, that they distribute. I'm going to let you guys do the choosing here. Should A, Heineken, B, Miller Lite be named the official beer of the Eagle Hour? Well, I think if you opened it up to to the, the listeners on the different social media right. f- formats that they can reach us on, Bob. Would you like to know what they are? Oh, I know Stitcher's one of them, right? <laughs> I don't even I don't even know all the different formats. iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Oh, well, okay. Well, there you go. Right. If you put it up to the – maybe the general public should decide well, maybe. Is, if there's a way to post Because you can their, throw a beta in there, too. That's a beta? regional. A beta? Yeah. A beta beer? A beta yeah. beer? But I, I think most people, because of already the attachment that Miller Lite has with sports in general at the professional level, most people would probably say Miller Lite. As a heavy yeah. drinker yourself, Michael, what would you say a bunch of people just <laughs> laughed hysterically well having grown up an hour from milwaukee miller 
Miller, yeah. Miller Lite? His, those signs were everywhere. Normally when he has in his office is, yeah. a, is a Miller Lite. Well, I'm not. Any other, for, any other comment will have to come from the president. Uh, but I would think that, that Miller I think that's Miller appropriate, Lite. don't you? But to show you how old we're getting, Bob, I coached Spoke, Sparkman Walker in Little League. Did you really? Back in the back is that when, right? When the Little League fields were down there across from Hattiesburg Super High School. Super nice guy. Oh, yeah. Really nice guy. And his dad, Sparky, was with Stokes for a long time. And Neil Stokes, you know, after Neil Stokes passed away, a, a golf tournament named in his honor when the USM golf course was still open. Mm-hmm. The old goat ranch, as they called it. So mm-hmm. the Stokes Distributing Company goes back a long time in Hattiesburg right, history. Right. All right. Miller Lite it is. Yeah, I would the think so. The official beer, Michael, of the Eagle. Yeah. So does we'll that make a promo. Does that mean now that... You know, no, you don't get free. Oh, okay. no, I'm sorry. You can, I was going to ask after you might the show. Give, you yeah. might give Sparkman a call and see what you can work out on okay. the side. All right. That sounds good. I did, that was not part of our negotiation this morning, uh, was free beer for Kelly Santer. I think that would have blown the deal, don't you, Michael? Mm-hmm. Oh, they'd gone broke. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no amount of advertising could cover that. I'm telling you what, the last time I went out, I got in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I drank so much, I started buying my own beer. <laughs> oh, that would be really unusual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Next thing you know, I get so drunk, you'll buy a shirt. That that I'll pay for myself. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. if that happens, take me drunk. I'm home. All I mean, right. Wait a uh, minute. Coming up, uh, and I wanted to bring this topic up to you, the Golden Eagle baseball team is headed out to Texas San Antonio. And I uh, had the coach on the show yesterday, really nice guy, but they really have no facilities. And uh, I've talked to John Cox and Jack, and then I heard them talking about the other night that – that literally there's there's no press box for visiting media. They sit outside in a kind of like a little wooden deal, you know, with a aluminum bin. My point being, should all schools in Conference USA have to meet certain criteria for facilities in every sport if they're going to be a member of the conference? I think it's certainly worth discussing. It makes life miserable, um, you know, when they don't have the facilities. But if if we want to take that complaint a little bit further. Even around Mississippi at the high school level, when a lot of these schools build new press boxes, they don't ever ask anybody in the media, no. mm-hmm. what do right. you need? What do you need to do your job? Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll go into new, new press boxes in high school in Mississippi, and they'll have two plug-ins. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you need about 12 mm. plug-ins for all the different gadgetry we have Not now. Not to mention a bathroom. Yeah, and, and they don't even think about that either. And it's three feet wide and 12 feet long. Right. Which is just what I need. Yeah. Right. For me to do again. Here's a great example. I remember it was two or three years ago that they were playing out there and the guys during a break made the comment that they saw Coach Barry standing in line to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So they didn't even have restrooms inside the, you know, the dugout where the athletes and the coaches. And how does that there. affect recruiting? When there's some teams that are great, that kid wants to be on a team, he's going to play. But when they're going and looking at these facilities, and then they go to another Conference USA school, see much better facilities. How about when the Texas San Antonio kids come here and play in the Pete? When, when they're used to playing in those facilities. And you, and you might even be able to get away with it if you were in some small, remote location where mm. it's, they're not. It, this is San Antonio, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, big one city. of the biggest cities in the state of Texas, and you can't come up uh, with the money to, you know, I mean, either, what is it? Some, if you can't play with the big dogs, don't get on the porch, you know. But, like the point that you were making, Bob, the conference has to hold people accountable. Well, yeah, that's, those, that is the point. Yeah, I, I know that Marshall has not had a baseball facility, but I did hear that they've 
now allocated the money and about to build a baseball facility for Marshall's baseball program. And I guess I bring it up, too, because I think from a competitive standpoint, it has to be a challenge. I asked Coach Barry about this Monday, and he's not a guy that's ever going to make excuses, but he did concede that sometimes it's difficult with your kids to take them from the types of environments and facilities they're accustomed to playing in to a basically a, a, a low-caliber high school field with 50 people there watching the game. It's got to be difficult. It also speaks volumes about the conference's self-image. All right, If you're going to allow that, you're pretty much telling everybody, We'll accept mediocrity, even right. if you're willing to give them the credit of being mediocre. Let's look at, though, what's happening in college football and the growth of these huge universities. Is baseball just now catching up, though? Is that why these I schools think... don't have the facilities that now baseball is getting bigger with these smaller schools? Because right. here's their opportunity to shine. And they're just now it's starting it's, to take I think off. There's some legitimacy though. I, 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 not as much, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why. I, why I disagree with that because it, it, when you look at all the other conference USA schools, either none of them are exactly lighting up attendance numbers in football or basketball either. Right. So I mean, if they were filling up the football stadiums, you, know, you could say, oh, oh, yeah, now now we have to but focus that's what on I'm baseball. Saying. That's why baseball is picking up. Is that it's getting more focused because that's it's just not happening with their football programs or even basketball programs, but baseball is nationwide. You look at a lot of schools; it's not just in the South. And, and I it's know, really taken off. And I know with San Antonio, it's all about TV market. You know, it's all mm -hmm. about radio yeah. and TV. And San Antonio is, is a big TV market. But again, come on, you guys. I mean, yeah. the, the, it, it all starts with the conference, and I've been hammering the conference, you know, forever. And the the fact of the matter is, the conference worked for the university presidents. The university presidents have got to get together, in my opinion, and hold the conference more accountable to because if you don't think you're good, if you don't think that you're special, nobody else is going to think that either. And it starts at the top. I agree. Sun Belt. I'd, yeah. I'd be all for it. We, you yeah. know, we've talked about that. It'd be a perfect fit. In my opinion, I am surprised at how many people I've had this discussion with off the air, away from the radio stations that say, absolutely, absolutely, we want to get in the Sunbelt. But that's progress, Bob, because I'd say three to five years ago, people yeah. thought the Sunbelt was a step down. Well, and then Coastal so, Carolina, no. no, Coastal Carolina wins the College Baseball World Series, that which changes is, the perspective. Sure does. It? All right. Eagle Hour continues. More conversation about Southern Miss sports when we come back. To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly J. Santer, and Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. The Thursday edition of the Eagle Hour. This segment sponsored by Shea Carter and the ladies at Carter's Jewelry on Evelyn Gandy Boulevard in Petal. Beautiful selection of jewelry. Really pretty new store. And, of course, they're the home of the brand-new SMTTT jewelry in gold or silver, Kelly. In fact, J is my middle initial. 
Jay is Michael's? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is your middle initial? I wonder if Shay's middle initial is Jay, or is it SMTTT? Shay, SMTTT Carter. I think it's whatever Shay wants it to be. Okay. Yeah, so. you'd look really nice in a SMTTT necklace, Kelly, with that outfit you've got on today. And take a, How would you describe this outfit, Michael? Besides free. Um, <laughs> I have the same shirt, but not that size. <laughs> <laughs> very few people have this size. Thank you very much. Custom that. <laughs> you know, it's very uh, red. Very nice. Very, very, well, it's, very red. And I know we're doing a Southern Miss show, but full disclosure, it's a William Carey shirt. You yeah, know, well, after Carey went to the Final William Four. William Carey fans. At the, at the NAIA. Well, that's um, something. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Right? All right, baseball this weekend, guys. Uh, let's take a look around the league and uh, get your input. Uh, Rice playing at Old Dominion. We just saw Old Dominion. I think it reemphasized to us that playing East Coast teams is a lot different than playing Southern baseball teams. That was that was an abysmal performance yeah. by Old Dominion. But Rice weekend. is really struggling, so I don't know. I kind of like Old Dominion. A battle of the have-nots. But you yeah. look at Old Dominion's overall record, and you think, boy, those guys can play, and maybe they can. You know, but boy, oh boy. Yeah, they didn't look good at all. Charlotte is playing this weekend at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky off to a pretty good start uh, in baseball. Charlotte traditionally, I I think it's fair to say, one of the upper – level teams in Conference USA. So that's a pretty good matchup there. Yeah, I think so, too. Florida Atlantic is playing pretty good baseball right now. The, the Florida guys are uh, are matched up. Florida International at Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic appears to me to be clearly the better team of those two. I would really foresee the Owls winning that series. Is Merville Melendez, I think, coaches FAU, Correct, doesn't he? Right. And he was at Alabama State and before that Bethune-Cookman. And Merville Melendez has a great uh, recruiting tool and that he's he's bilingual. Mm-hmm. I mean, he speaks Spanish just as easily as he can speak English. And mm-hmm. and so he can go, you know, recruit uh, the Miami-Dade area. Man, some great baseball players uh, down you there. You know, that's a talent-rich area where those two schools are down there. Yeah, and baseball. I think, you know, as more time goes on in sports, particularly baseball, if you're bilingual, that's just going to be a huge plus. Right. Middle Tennessee is at Marshall this weekend. As we just mentioned earlier in the show, Marshall now going to have a new baseball facility. I think they play somewhere north of, of the university up in the kind of – rural areas uh that was hard to pick yeah that's really there's really only about and i'm gonna hammer the conference again there's only about three teams in the conference in my opinion that that at this Mm -hmm. point in the season are playing pretty good baseball here two of them uab at louisiana tech that's a pretty good matchup there yeah you know but i think tech fans bob have got to be disappointed i mean the bulldogs came out of the gate you know quickly beat some really good teams and there was lots of reasons to be optimistic and then southern miss went in there and pounded them i mean swept them at the love shack that just doesn't happen very often Hammered them really yeah and they haven't they have not recovered so and of course the eagles are at texas san antonio but i'll tell you what guys i go back to the game this week against nickel state Southern Miss is a hitting baseball team. We all know this. This is the big difference. It's it's the job that Coach Oz has done with this bullpen. They they pitched Jared Wright for four innings the other night, and then they brought in a different kid every inning, and Nickel State did not to get a runner past second base. Uh, that's a big change, I think. But it also helps, you know, when you're a pitcher and you have that mental mindset that my teammates just went out and got me six runs. Right. <laughs> Boy. Right. You talk about and today's opening day, by the way. Congratulations, yeah, right. guys. I know Michael, yeah. you're a so- Sox fan? Yep. Yeah. White Sox. Make sure you White, white Sox. Yeah, not the yeah, we don't yeah. say the no. R word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And I'm a Tiger fan, so you know Nationals. we're, we're Na- both in therapy. Here, my man, Washington Nationals. So are you Washington across the board? I'm Washington across the board. On all your sports. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and you know Brian Dozier's now with the Nats. 
Well, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, then yeah. he'll be able to get so you some, some seats, huh? And it's safe to say they'll win more games than the Redskins. Yeah. Oh, well, they will do that in the first week of the season. <laughs> At least more than 15. <laughs> and and uh, my Tigers today are, playing, are opening up in Toronto, and Anthony Alford, you know, from Pedal. Yes, yeah, is, is he on the big He team? made the roster, yeah, for oh, the really? Blue Jays. Yeah, he's a great awesome. player, yeah. So how did you become a Detroit Tiger fan and you're a Cincinnati Bengal fan? Well, a t- when a Tiger fan, I started the 68 World Series. I was what? born in the early 60s, early 1960s, <laughs> and... The Tigers played. Okay, okay go. There's they only made, one other 60s, and that's way out there. Well, yeah, but I am old. Um, right. And the Tigers went to the World Series that year, and I just I just liked right. Denny McLean and all those guys that were on that. Because right. that's unusual, because most people from your area are either, well, Cubs fans. Yeah, or twi- either. Uh, Twins or Royals. Yeah, Cubs. Well, right. that's what's unusual about you. The, the, the hipster thing to do is to be a Cubs fan, right? Yeah, but am here's, right? and I've had conversations with Dick Vogel. With mm-hmm. William Carey University, he's from New York. Yeah. And talking about the Yankees and the Mets, if you're a true New Yorker, you're a Mets fan. And it's kind of the same thing in Chicago. If you're a real Chicagoan, you're actually a Sox fan. But I was really? also born in the South Side. Right? Yeah. The Cubs are more suburbs. And so I'm regional. guessing Dick's a Mets fan. Yes. Yeah. And John Stevenson, you know, he used to coach at William Carey. He played for the Mets. Yeah. You know, right. so. That's cool to have Dozier playing for the Nats. So I hope he has a great game. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 I'm not kidding you when I say this. Opening day of Major League Baseball season, in my opinion, should be a national holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should be able to take the day off and watch their favorite Everybody's team. optimistic. We're all tied for first place. That's exactly right. <laughs> all right. That wraps it up for the day. I want to thank Chris Inman and, uh, and, Penny uh, Hampton. Penny Hampton. I'm sorry. Penny Hampton for being on the show. Appreciate both of those guys a great deal. We appreciate you, of course, too, listening every day. We'll be back tomorrow at 1. We hope you'll join us then. Until then, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.